I think the benefit of a diverse workforce is the multiple points of view and perspectives that can be sort of brought to the table for you know doing innovation. And I think that diversity can come from a lot of different places, whether that is your gender, whether it is your ethnicity, whether it is around your education or around your own experiences. Welcome to Afnet Silica's We Talk IoT. We'll chat with innovators, experts, and business owners to learn how they are implementing IoT and using data to create new business opportunities. I am your host, Stephanie Ruth Hader. In honor of International Women's Day, I'm talking to some amazing women today who are making a difference in tech and engineering. We'll be discussing the crucial issue of gender equity in this industry, exploring the challenges and opportunities for women, and hearing from our guests about their experiences and insights. Maybe we'll also explore how to create a more inclusive and equitable industry for all of us. We'll see. I'm really happy to welcome today Karen Field, VP of Content Marketing at Fnet. Jessica Tangeman, CEO of Hexter.io, and Lisa Rees, Director of Marketing Communications at Afnet Silica. Welcome, everybody. This is a big show today. I'm really happy to have you all uh, on board. Maybe we should kick ourselves off by uh, having a short round of introduction. Um, why don't we start with you, Karen? Hi, I'm Karen Field, and I, uh, I've had a long career in tech. I started out in mechanical engineering at one of the big semiconductor companies in the United States. But early on in my career, I made the shift to journalism, where I've spent the bulk of my career creating content for a technical audience. And I'm pleased to be here. Interesting. I will uh, yeah, come back to that uh, comment uh, from you later. Jessica, why don't you go next? Hello, everyone. My name is Jessica Tangeman. And I lead the Hackster.io developer community on behalf of Avnet. Interesting. And last but not least, Lisa. Hi. So I'm Lisa. Yes, I came a little bit later to tech, um, sort of the second part of my career to date. Um, but I'm very interested in um, the storytelling behind tech. I really enjoy working closely with engineers to kind of um, tell the stories about the developments and innovations that are happening in our world of technology. It's kind of like we are science fiction authors, isn't it? <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> so, so Karen, you mentioned that um, you did start a career in tech and engin no, engineering, actually, sorry, but you didn't pursue it. Can you explain why? It's sort of an interesting thing for me to think about because part of me wants to say that I liked writing more than I liked thermodynamics. <laughs> But if I really think about it, part of the reason may really have been the fact that in my first engineering job, I didn't really have any female role models. Engineering has and is still pretty male-dominated. And I, and I always wonder if maybe I would have hung in there, if I would have connected with women who could show me what a career in engineering could be like mm -hmm. and maybe could have served as a mentor or an advocate for me. Okay. And then we are basically right into the topic, right? And uh, Jessica, to connect to that, what Karen just said, you obviously did not quit. You 
stuck with it. Why do you think that is? What what made you go through with it? So I actually do not have a background in engineering. Uh, my background is in curriculum and education theory. So I entered into this world uh, on the business side of semiconductors and trying to figure out how to bridge the the world between engineering and the engineering challenges the world faces with the business side of how do we connect resources and people to achieve those things or to innovate new solutions for what's possible for tomorrow. Uh, and so I kind of came into the business uh, more bringing this operational organizational skill set uh, to keep Hackster running as a business uh, and then was pleasantly surprised at the world of engineering and how many curious possibilities there are and working with the developer community, getting the opportunity to connect with millions of people around the world and see what amazing things are creating. Hmm. So that kind of kept me in the role and keeps me where I am today. So it does seem that things have changed for the better. Would you, would you, would you, would you agree? I don't know if change happened uh, in that, but my personal experience was just that I came into the engineering world from a, from a very different perspective. Uh, and I stayed here because uh, I think engineering's cool. <laughs> and I see lots of really cool engineers in the world and lots of people making amazing uh, things for to make the world a better place, right? So uh, what keeps me here is that curiosity for the what if, what is, How does it work? That kind of stuff. And then my position where I am now is I have the luxury of being able to connect with companies who have resources to make those opportunities available, right? So we run engineering contests. We give access to hardware, software, resources for engineers to tinker, explore, learn, fail, learn, try again, and then eventually find something that works. And how many, how's the women quota? We might be an anomaly, actually, within AFNET because the majority of our tiny hackster team uh, are powerhouse women. <laughs> so um, I think we're in a unique position uh, in the developer community where we have a news publication, Hackster News, and uh, we have an amazing video host. Her name is Alex Glow, who's a self-taught engineer. Uh, who runs a video uh, show every Tuesday, a live stream show where she gets to interview people in the field. So we can be very selective about who we give that opportunity to and the platform to to be represented within our space. And um, Karen, coming back to you, would you, looking back at um, at your career and listening to the things, the points Jessica has made, um, would you maybe today um, choose a different path or would you stick to your decision? I think that's 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 a hard thing to answer. I think it, it might depend, but I will say I think that things have changed when I look back at, uh, you know, women pursuing engineering degrees back in the 80s. The uh, percentage was about 15 percent. And fast forward to today, about 25 percent of the engineering graduates are women And so I think that we're seeing more women in the field, um, seeing more women advance to leadership positions. And I think another thing, and Jessica, I think this kind of alludes to what you're saying, is I think there's more enlightenment. 
I think that companies in general are aware that we need to have more diversity in the engineering ranks. And so I think um, more women entering combined with companies making more of an effort to think about diversity when they're hiring in engineers is changing the the culture out there. So I think having that at my disposal, if I were starting my career today, things could have turned out very differently. Interesting. You mentioned the benefits of having a diverse workforce. What what would you say are these? How can companies leverage this diversity to drive innovation and growth, especially in a tech and engineering industry? Well, I think it really starts with getting that diversity, as, as we're talking about. But I think the benefit of a diverse workforce is the multiple points of view and perspectives that can be sort of brought to the table for, you know, doing innovation. And I think that diversity can come from a lot of different places, whether that is your gender, whether it is your ethnicity, whether it is around your education or around your own experiences. I think I've been um, sort of lucky enough to be parts of teams that have that diversity And it's just amazing to see uh, how that can really trigger innovation when you have people just coming from totally different points of view and different ways of solving problems. And I think, you know, just wanted to add there, I think companies can't afford not to have this um, diversity and inclusion approach because so many people are researching the companies before they join. I think there's a, a much bigger emphasis on which company am I joining? You know, what what are their points of view. Um, and I think that's kind of um, something that we see a lot more of. And I would also say in terms of like, you know, staff retention and, and, and people feeling like they want to be ambassadors for their company, if they feel proud of their company, they're much more likely to be a, an ambassador, I would say. Um, and I think studies have shown that companies that do embrace diversity and inclusion have kind of, you know, upwards of 30% higher profitability. So there are so many more benefits of, of having that approach. I would piggyback off of what Karen said. I think having a, my, a more diverse workforce leads to more perspective uh, when you're problem solving or coming up with new ideas or even uh, representation of your brand outside of your internal ecosystem. Um, people process things a lot differently in different regions uh, with different backgrounds, your access to resources. There's so many varying factors. Uh, and so by creating a more diverse workforce, you have representation or insight into all these other different ecosystems where you could make an impact or bring benefit and resources to community that otherwise wouldn't have it. I find that so interesting. I read an article a couple of years back, even I think it was some burned out social media platform executive. It was quite interesting. The point he, 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 he raised was um, he's been making apps for spoiled little white boys who who'd, who'd basically just try to substitute their mother with their smartphones. But then he explained it further and he said, well, we have um, cleaning staff in our company that have not a very high salary, that maybe not speak the language very well and maybe are from a different gender, different ethnicity, etc. They don't have a smartphone. They don't have a credit card. They will not participate in what we are building here. And if you do have a diverse workforce, you can, of course, build solutions or um, that help everybody, right? 
I think the challenge for companies today, uh, despite perhaps their best efforts to have diversity, particularly in engineering, is there's a shortage of candidates out there. So it can be hard for a company today to find any engineer, let alone looking to um, specifically hire on female engineers. And I think that really starts with the issue of the pipeline, that we need more diversity coming into the field from the very start to be able to have diversity in the workforce and to, you know, see that sort of grow and um, kind of nurture over the years. Lisa, I think you wanted to mention something. I, I was just going to say, um, absolutely. And I think there's, um, if you look at the UN, the theme for International Women's Day this year is digital, which is about um, everybody being have, able to have access to dig digital technology, because as as digital transformation progresses, there's the fear that certain um, communities, um, wh whoever they may be, might not have the same access to, to technology um, and to digital resources. And I think that's also kind of um, a limiting factor in, in that kind of um, opportunity, I would say, to Karen's point about um, people being able to move into, into the field of tech. I think Karen's right when she talks about the pipeline Right? Because when we talk about women in engineering, there's two sides to that coin. One is uh, we need to attract women. We need to attract young girls uh, that are growing into their careers and that are still curious at a young age um, to you know, create situations where we're leading engineering studies with topics that they're interested in, not necessarily saying, uh, who wants to learn some cool math? Everyone get together. Let's do some math problems. Like no kid really <laughs> wants to sit around and do math problems. But if you say, hey, you know, uh, we're building a greenhouse in the backyard and we notice that our plants keep dying. Let's figure out, let's use technology to figure out a way to measure the moisture in the air. Or maybe we can create an alert on our phone that tells us when it gets too hot in the greenhouse. That sounds cool. That sounds cool for any kid. Right. And so creating uh, the pipeline starts, I think, at a younger age and creating those opportunities for uh, little girls and little boys to be interested in engineering. Um, I think we can change that approach to start to feed and enrich that pipeline for people who are going into computer science, any type of engineering or STEM field, uh, and then start to fill out the companies that are changing the world or, or building the new technologies that. Uh, that we'll start to rely on more heavily as we all age. And I think technology has really helped play a part in what you're describing, Jessica. Just the very existence now of easy-to-program computers that can be available for $50 are giving young people access to engineering and creating something like a backyard greenhouse um, in, in a way that I think makes them a part of something that they're creating, gives them easier access, and I think gives kids this appreciation for what engineering is about. I think when I look back on my career, um, where where kids got their experience with engineering was tinkering with the family car, um, which nowadays you can't even do that, right? But I think that... Uh, <laughs> I think it is some of that uh, easy to program, easily accessible technology has is making an impact. 
This podcast is brought to you by Afnet Silica, the engineers of evolution. If you want to learn more about us, we have put information and links in this episode's show notes, and you can also connect with us on LinkedIn or afnet-silica.com. That's A-V-N-E-T-S-I-L-I-C-A.com. My point is, I have the feeling there's so many STEM initiatives and girls' days and um, programs where we try to engage and encourage more girls to pursue STEM fields. Are we not doing enough or are we not doing it right or is it working? I, I've, I'd be interested in your opinion. Well, I think it is a factor in the percentage of women going into engineering, but I would also argue that in general, we need more more kids, whatever gender, going into engineering today. There's a shortage, um, just whether it's male, female. Um, and so while I think that STEM is making an impact, I think we have to continue to be creative and find ways to engage kids earlier and to keep them interested as they are growing older and thinking about what career they want to pursue. And I guess, you know, all the initiatives that you talk about, they take their time to come through. I mean, you know, you look at the last 10 years and I think there's been so much more and so much more visibility and so many more opportunities for STEM for young women, I would say. Um, but of course, I think today it's women are still one third of the tech sector um, employees globally. And I think it does take its time to... to to filter through um, and hopefully we'll see the, the results of that in the kind of coming years. Of course, also interesting um, to learn what Avnet and Avnet Silica are doing or even Hexta.io. Avnet through its Avnet's care or Avnet Cares program um, is giving grants to STEM related initiatives And much of that work is centered on things like the Boys and Girls Club, the Girls uh, Girl Scouts of Texas, Girl Scouts of Arizona, Cactus Pine. Um, I think that Avnet as a corporation is really, really supportive of these efforts and continues to look for opportunities to fund and uh, get involved in these efforts. And I will say for Avnet, they do a really good job of encouraging their employees to get involved too. So we have people around the company who are personally donating their time and volunteering with STEM groups to sort of help that effort. Avnet is a sponsor of Women in Electronics. Our CEO, Phil Gallagher, is a big sponsor of the personal development of women in the electronics industry, um, supporting growth and personal development um, through Women in Electronics. Um, so I think it comes right from the top within Avnet, which is what it needs to be really you need to have that sponsorship from from the top down I think. Karen talked about uh, what would have retained her in her engineering role in the past and not having a role model or having someone within the industry that she could relate to. Uh, Haxter on our side are we're using our resources like Haxter News and Haxter Cafe our interview series to give voice to Uh, women in tech who are taking tech in non-traditional engineering, quote-unquote, roles. I mean, we see how uh, technology is now integrated into every industry that you're in. 
Uh, and so the disconnect between how a, a, an engineering company is defining what role they're trying to fill versus someone uh, in their, you know, a university student who's looking to see what career they want to go into. How are we showing them that engineering can be in all different types of industries? So we had uh, on Hackster Cafe, we had a couple different guests. Uh, we did a wearables month. Uh, and we brought on uh, this really fascinating woman named Sophie Wong who does costume design. Uh, and we talked about the world of engineering in making clothes and costumes for movie sets or even in theater, really. Uh, how do we connect? How do we build wearable uh, devices into clothing that actors or performers wear on stage or on sets? I mean, that's something that, like, you're talking to uh, a young woman graduating from high school trying to figure out what their college degree is, and you hear an interview like that on Hackster Cafe that comes up into your YouTube feed, and you're like, wow, yeah, I've always been really interested in the fashion industry, or I want to work uh, in Hollywood, and I'm really interested in movie sets. I had no idea that technology could also be integrated in that way you know, leading the conversation by showing examples and then showing people who are in the field that someone could look up to or see as an example of what's possible for them too. I think that's really cool. Um, I think I saw recently as well um, a video that came from Avnet where there was a, an artist and I think it was part of the sponsorship of the Super Bowl. And I think there was an artist that was kind of talking to an engineer and they were having a conversation about the similarities between engineering and art, um, which was um, just really eye-opening really, I think. So I, I love that kind of approach. Yeah, I wonder if that can help feed into the stigma with women in engineering roles in general, because how we define what engineering is, I think from a corporate perspective or even from a recruiting perspective, it's we still define it or use terms that are like very traditional that are not attractive to a younger generation trying to go into the field, right? If someone said, hey, do you want to work for this, you know, grandpa semiconductor company and sit in a cubicle uh, under some fluorescent lights, we'll change the world, like that's not really attractive to any young person, right? But if you tell them or you show them the types of things that we're building that's of interest to them, I think that's what's drawing them in. And then what retains them is so many things, so many factors outside of their skill set in engineering. There's company culture, there's team support, there's manager support, there's opportunities to be recognized and rewarded, there's career path, right? There's a lot that goes into it outside of just your skill set. So uh, attract them in different ways and then retain them in different ways. And I think Avnet has a really strong culture of um, inclusiveness. I think, you know, inclusiveness is, is one of the core values. It's really central to creating a sense of belonging, as you say, Jessica, for all of our employees, for the community. Um, I've really enjoyed some of the recent listen and learn events where, you know, you get to hear about all sorts of different um, communities across Avnet globally. And we really are a global organisation. So I think for me, that opportunity to kind of um, listen to different perspectives is a real value for, for me as an employee within the company as well. I benefit a lot from them. I mean, I, I think that that true change is going to come from us. And I really think no matter where you are in your career, that we need to be strong advocates and mentors to the generation of people coming into the tech field. And I think that we are sort of best positioned to um, 
you know, make that positive impact. And I think, Jessica, as you're saying, like, redefine it, because we know it isn't just about writing out math equations on a blackboard, right? There's a lot of of sort of really cool things that are going on. And I think that's what's going to really keep um, keep keep young people coming into this field interested is knowing what the potential is and having that opportunity to work on real issues and and create real things. I think it's also important to add that the engineering industry, quote unquote, that we call this, is also different from just being an engineer. Because Lisa, as you had mentioned, you don't consider yourself an engineer in the field, and neither am I. I'm not traditionally trained as an engineer, but here we are, you know, as important factors within this business. I mean, all engineering companies at the end of the day are a business. They have a sales force, they have marketing teams, we have operational teams, we have people that are making that engine run. So it's not just about the engineering. So I think you can attract people to this field uh, in, a, in many different ways outside of just being uh, an engineer. What advice would you give young women who have hopefully now been listening and are interested in pursuing a, a career in tech and engineer? How can they develop their skills? What advice would you give them? I think any opportunity to do hands-on projects whether that is through something formal like a STEM group or U.S. First Robotics or just buying your own single board computer and playing around with it, I think just gives um, gi gives young people an opportunity to, to get some hands-on experience. But I also think it is looking to make connections with people who are out there. Whether you're at Abnet today, we have a mentorship program, you can sign up for that. You can even specify what sort of mentor you'd like and what you're interested in. I think it, I, the other piece of advice I would really give is continue to network. Everybody you meet in your life are people who can help you and encourage you and, and show you the way. And then I think you reach a point where you're showing others the way as much, if if not more so, than you were early on in your career. So I think it is just stay connected and hang around people who are doing things that you think are cool, have an opportunity. And I think the other thing is volunteer where you can and ask questions. <laughs> so many pieces of good advice. It's true. I mean, everything we do is it's a it's a people business, as Phil Gallagher says uh, quite often. Everything that we do is relationship building. So whether you're, you know, getting into STEM uh, programs as a middle schooler or a high schooler, uh, there are lots of clubs you can be in. If your school or your area, any, there are no organizations that uh, could serve that purpose. There are lots of online communities like Hackster.io where you can come and explore different electronics projects that people are building. You can show off your own work. Uh, and also, as Karen mentioned, there are lots of companies that build these fun plug-and-play uh, uh, single-board computers that people can get started with, the Arduinos, Raspberry Pis of the world that uh, have services and products that are catered specifically to the younger generation Uh, so they could get started at least hands-on with some technology and get exposure to it at a younger age. Uh, and then hopefully there are opportunities for you to get more involved in different organizations like Girl Scouts of America, 
uh, or wherever you may be, some youth organizations that uh, support STEM, robotics clubs, stuff like that. Again, leading with topics, not with, hey, who wants to do math problems? It's like, hey, who wants to build a cool robot? That sounds cooler. <laughs> Jessica, I, I think another big role of communities uh, is, is to give help. So I think, again, it is being able to showcase your project, read through other people's project, but also reach out if you're stuck. And I think that's one of the most rewarding ways that uh, people who are tech-minded can interact through these communities. And I think one of the best things you can tell anybody entering an organization, whatever their background is, and it's not necessarily to do with tech, but it's, you know, celebrate your individuality, um, you know, be who you are, you know, feel free to show up to work exactly as you are. Um, it's really important, you know, there's a great quote, which I love by Oscar Wilde, which says, be yourself because everyone else is taken. And I think, you know, if, if all of us just felt that, that confidence to be who we are and not to hide it, but to use it as our strength and really celebrate that, um, I think, you know, it stands us in good stead, um, not to try and mold ourselves to whatever we think is a defined role or what's expected of us in, in our work life. Those are all very, really cool, inspiring uh, closing remarks. I'm not sure, is there anything I have missed? We have covered retention benefits, um, advice, um, talked about the challenges. Um, do you have the feeling we I, I missed something? I think from my side, I would kind of like to have a little word about the theme of International Women's Day this um, this year. Um, the theme this year is very much about equity. Um, and so I think in the past, there's been a big focus on equality and equality is kind of making sure everybody has the same access to the same resources. And I thought a lot about equity because kind of when it came out as a theme, I, I really wanted to understand a bit more about it. And I think what I understand from that, it's about not everybody starts from the same level. It's everyone has different backgrounds, different challenges, different requirements, and it's understanding how to... Um, can provide the resources that everybody needs regardless of their background or their gender or their ethnicity um, or their economic situation. It, it's really trying to um, address and kind of uh, under, understand those challenges and, and understand how you can give everybody resources to get to where they need, allow people to thrive, I would say. Um, and it's, I think companies have to understand that and try hard to, to focus on what would help those different people thrive in different situations. Karen, I like your comment about finding a role model because that was one thing that I think is hard in any industry. Uh, I keep going back thinking about Dana Badhorn because Dana so was, <laughs> right? Because Dana was one of my, uh, well, when I first came into Hackster, my manager was Adam Benzian. He's the co-founder of Hackster and One of my favorite things about him was uh, his confidence in my ability to do my job without knowing whether or not I could do it. But he'd come to me with a problem and say, you're a smart human. You can figure it out. I believe in you. And just give me the opportunity to fall flat on my face and then figure it out. <laughs> uh, and then uh, our boss who brought us into Avnet was Dana, and she was so gracious because 
you could call her anytime with any type of question. You didn't feel like there was this manager-employee barrier between us. And she would just sit on the phone and work through problems with you. And she has an engineering background, and she was such a huge role model to see what was possible in this career and in this industry for someone who doesn't have an engineering background uh, to be a leader in the space. Uh, and she's as she grew in her career, we are all cheering her on because we're like, oh, it's possible. This is awesome. Uh, and then seeing her in different situations where um, it's very male dominated and then seeing how she reacts in those situations and just totally kills it. And you're like, oh, yes. <laughs> Dana Badhorn is president of the Americas. And, you know, I, I see her approach in town halls whereby she wants to hear success stories from all across the business. She wants to give people a voice all across the business, whatever their level. She just wants to call them out and say, hey, you know, you've done something really interesting. And I love that whole approach to just giving everybody a voice um, wherever they are and however they fit into the business. And I think she does that so well. It's really good to see. She's also a really good example of the the work-life balance that I think is very stigmatized for women uh, as they grow into their career. Uh, And something for me that I'm thinking through too is, is what do I do when I'm ready to start a family? Do I have to put my career on hold? and then do this thing and then hopefully get to come back and restart it again. Uh, and Dana it has always been a good example of uh, creating boundaries so that she could have a healthy work-life balance and normalizing the fact that it's okay to have a family and still be a total rock star at your job too. I just wanted to mention something about a mentor versus an advocate. And I think having but the, the role of mentor and advocate are important to your career. But I think the difference is that a, a mentor can be very personal and it can be a one-on-one where you're learning and getting coached and um, getting a lot of good information. But I think where mentor turns into advocate, it's outward facing And that is just very beneficial to your career to have somebody who thinks of you and says, Jessica, and volunteers you for, uh, for a specific project or for a promotion or really raising the level of awareness about you. And, and I think though, to get an advocate, you have to earn it. You have to show that person that you're up to the task, that you're a go getter that you approach things with enthusiasm. And I think that can be really transformational to your career if you have a relationship like that with someone in the company who can be an advocate for you to the rest of the company. I think it's also a message to kind of more senior people in the company, though, is to, to hey, look out for, for people that you can mentor. Look out for those um, people that you think are really interested to, to progress in whatever area they want to progress into and kind of keep your eyes open because I think, you know, it's very easy to give that advice to young people and it can be a bit daunting. I think, you know, people that are seasoned, that are experienced, also it's really important for them to kind of go, okay, I'm on the lookout for those people that I can really lift up um, that are really interested to to do something a bit different. It's true. And I think when I grew into my manager role, one of the biggest challenges for me was flipping that switch between needing to be in the trenches and doing the day-to-day work to 
creating the opportunities for other people to thrive, where it wasn't just my job to lead as uh, an example and and be a representative of the team. It's also my job to uh, help others grow into their opportunities or create space for them to to build their own skill sets and thrive. And I think that as women in our organization at Avnet, it's also our responsibility to lead as women and be that role model and be that example for other women that are coming into this career. Karen, Jessica, and Lisa, this has been terrific. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. Women of Avnet rule. Keep rocking and happy International Women's Day. Thank you so thank much, you. Ruth. Thank Can't you. Can't wait to hear the podcast. Been a pleasure. Thank you. This was Avnet Silicast. We talk IoT. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a rating. Talk to you soon. Bye.